If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org. Welcome back, rappers, to our fourth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button or follow us for content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com for sermons, weekly blogs, books, study guides, and lots of free stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's program. Uh, Tonight, uh, we're going to talk about another one of the Asking for a Friend series. I actually thought about doing this one this morning and holding off on the forgiveness until tonight, but it worked out well. Uh, I want to talk tonight about anger. So Wednesday night, I asked those of you to close your eyes and raise your hand. I said, how many people have ever told a lie? You know, and every hand went up because we've been there. I'll bet if I did the same thing tonight, and I said, close your eyes and raise your hands, that probably every hand would go up because we've experienced moments of anger. The question we have from time to time is, is it a sin to be angry? To have anger, to keep anger, are two different things. There are some scriptures we're going to notice tonight that will reveal to us that there are times when it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be angry at sin. It's okay to be angry at the devil. It's okay to be angry when certain things happen in our life and we get frustrated. But what we do with that anger, whether we turn it into vengeance or righteous indignation, that's our choice. But the Bible does have a lot to say about anger. So tonight, we're going to do our best to kind of make through, get through these scriptures together and learn a little bit more about what the Word of God says. So if you want to start with me, let's start in Matthew chapter 5. We talked about forgiveness this morning in Matthew chapter 6. So let's look in Matthew chapter 5, and I want to read with you verses 21 through 23. Matthew 5, 21 through 23. It says, You've heard it said uh, of those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. And I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of the hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly, he goes on to say. While you are on the way with him, let your adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge hand you the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there until you have paid the last penny. This little section of scripture from 21 to 23 uh, kind of put together a very good picture of the way that we choose to live our life. If we choose to live our life with vengeance, anger, frustration, it will be seen in our, the way we approach other people. Then he talks about there, and the reason why I went ahead and read that section is because he talks about if we have a problem with someone, that we make it right quickly. 
And if we don't, it could actually hinder our eternal judgment. I, I have not talked to this couple, but I'm sure that they don't mind me sharing the story. Many years ago, I had a couple in counseling, and we laughed about it. The family laughed about it, but they came in, they were struggling, and um, she said to me, she said, well, you know, if I, when I get mad at him, I just go clean the toilet. And I said, oh, okay, well, that's good. I mean, take that anger out on those germs, you know. And he's like, well, that's silly. Why do you do that? She goes, because I use your toothbrush. So... Uh, you ever get angry at someone, frustrated with someone, you can, and I asked her, I said, you know, you got to kiss that mouth. She goes, I do not have to kiss that mouth, you know, <laughs> but uh, they were, they were going back and forth and, and discussing different things. And I thought, you know, we do, we get so mad sometimes that we just, we react. It's not just an overreaction. Sometimes it's just, we react too quickly. And so the Bible is trying to share with us that there's a difference between people and the way the world works and people who are of Christ and how we work, how we operate. We should operate completely different. Now, I want you to notice that he says, whoever, 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 that is the reality of anger. It's something that we all have had to contend with. And so Jesus is saying to the people in his day, whoever gets angry. So in other words, you're going to get angry. This is going to happen to you. So how you handle that anger is really the most important part, what you do with it. Um, And some people will have anger that they will turn inward and literally wear themselves out. They'll stress themselves out. They'll be so anxious that it'll cause health problems because they're so mad about something. And you eventually have to reach a point where you have to decide, is it going to kill me? Like, am I going to let my anger kill me or am I going to learn to to really just let it go? So we, we ask also along these lines in the reality of what anger is, you have to ask the question, did Jesus ever get angry. Here he talks to people. He says, you know, if you ever get angry, here's what you should think about. But did Jesus ever get angry? Well, there's a few scriptures that might help us and see this. One is in John chapter 2. So let's bounce over there real quick, John 2, and be looking at verse 12. John 2, beginning at verse 12. And uh, by the way, we're studying the Gospel of John on Wednesday mornings, and if you're unable to be here on Wednesday mornings, they are live on the church page now. So you can actually join us in class on Tuesday mornings as we study through, and we start John chapter 1 this week. But this is John chapter 2, and we're going to look on down, beginning at verse 12. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother, his brothers, his disciples, and did not stay there many days. Now the Passover of the Jews was at the time at hand, and Jesus went to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple when, uh, with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to them, those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then the disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it again. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. All right, there's this thing that we were hopefully taught. I don't know that it's taught anymore, but it's called common sense, right? Okay, so we, we want to use our common sense tonight as we approach the subject of anger. 
Now, the Bible tells us in specific detail what Jesus did. Did you notice it talks about specifically what he did? All right. Have you ever been in an argument or a fight with someone and seen them angry, get red in the face, get frustrated? I've seen some people frustrated before, but I have never in all my life seen someone who walked over and grabbed a bunch of cords and fashioned a whip out of it. Are y'all with me? I mean, he, he lays out the cords, and then he tightens them, and he, he tightens them again. Now, this, this, you can't make a, warden, a whip in 30 seconds, right? So I'll tell you, when my mom went after the belt, I didn't have to wait and say, is she going to bring it back, or what she's going after. I knew by the stomp. I knew by that stomp in her little, her little house shoes, flip, flip, flip across that linoleum floor that I was in trouble when I got back. Jesus fashions, creates, makes a whip out of the things that were there present, and then he walked over with that whip in his hand, just like your mama did, your dad may have done, with a belt in his hand or a paddle or a fly swatter or a switch or sometimes my mama, anything she could grab, you know. He comes to them, and then he flips the tables over. Now, let's use our common sense, all right? If we're watching this scene, would we see someone, you know, and I'm going to have to move some things here. Would you mind scooting down? What's the scene? Chaos. You can't just think about the money inside of the basket or the bag as Jesus flips the tables. One time in our, our congregation growing up in Rogersville, Missouri, we had a slanted floor, exaggerated slant, maybe a little bit more than this. And somebody in the back, one of their kids, hit the change plate, hit the communion plate. And you heard coins through the whole service. Every once in a while, somebody kicked one, and we hear it rolling down that wood floor. You, 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 you get the idea of how long it takes and the sounds that it makes, right? Think about the change hitting the brick in the courtyard. Think about the money falling to the ground. Think about the chaos of animals, right? Don't miss that. He didn't just come and flip over tables. He chased the animals out. Now, all kinds of livestock, right? So here's the scene. It's, it's chaos. Jesus sends, I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's cattle, doesn't matter whether it's sheep or goats. He's removing everything from the courtyard. The only thing that it says is he has a conversation with one group of people. And notice it says there that, uh, and he talked to those who sold doves. This is a little detail we overlook. The men who sold the doves were specifically working among the poor. This may have been the booth. This may have been the individuals that Jesus' family had gone to. So he has a conversation with this person, briefly. But then it says, again, using our common sense, it says that the disciples immediately thought, well, the Bible says, zeal for my house is eating me up. You ever seen anybody eating up before? You know, with jealousy or anger. And it just eats them up. Zeal for his house has eaten him up. This is not going to happen anymore. I'm not going to allow it anymore. Anger, when it is rightfully directed, 
can be a positive thing. When we're upset, we're frustrated, and we use that to use some wisdom to be able to handle something. It, it, we ought to be angry about sin. We ought to be so angry about sin that zeal ought to eat us up to try to get people saved, to reach the lost. We ought to be so mad about hell, we don't want anybody to go there. That ought to eat us up. So Jesus, eaten up with zeal, chases these out. It tells me Jesus was angry. And I'll tell you, when he started making that whip, I would, you couldn't, man, I'd been like lightning bolts coming off my shoes. I wouldn't have stayed in that courtyard for any amount of money. And they got out of there. Some of them may have left without their animals. And so here Jesus, no doubt, has some anger. But it's not the only time. Move over with me to Matthew chapter 22. Another example of Jesus being completely frustrated with people. And it, it happens a couple times. I just want to show you these two because we could spend all of our time here tonight. Jesus uses that righteous indignation to do something positive. In Matthew chapter 22, uh, Jesus is telling the parable of the wedding feast, and he gets approached by these Pharisees who question him about whether or not he should pay taxes to Caesar. You probably remember the story. He says, you know, give me the image. Who's on the image? Well, it's Jesus, you know, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, render to God the things that are God's. And then I want you to notice, after he is questioned by the Pharisees, he then is questioned by the Sadducees. And then, beginning of verse 34, he's going to be questioned by the scribes. So they're lined up, arguing with Jesus, trying to come up with all kinds of questions, just to get him flustered. But specifically go to verse 39. Here in Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23, beginning at verse 39. I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He offers these woes from 23.1 through the end of the chapter for Jerusalem. And then he says, as he concludes, One day you're not going to see me but I'm going to come back. This is equated to, you're going to clean this room. I'll be back in five minutes. Y'all with me? You better clean the, when I get back, there better not be a thing on that plate, you know. That, you better have every ounce of this stuff picked up. Jesus tells them after listening to their griping and their all these things. He gives all these, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. And then he stops and he says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is going to return. And he realizes he cries over Jerusalem because they have followed these blind guides, these hypocrites for so long that now their religious perspective is now the perspective of the whole nation. A lot of them thought the same way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and I put this on the screen, verse, it should be 2 Corinthians chapter 7. It is, isn't it? Yeah, sorry. Verse 11, uh, Paul says, See what this sorrow, the sorrow God wanted you to have that you've done, it has made you very serious. This is from the New Century Version. It made you want to restore yourselves. It made you angry and afraid. It made you want to see me. It made you care. It made you want to do the right thing. In every way you have regained your innocence. Paul says your frustration and your anger has actually blessed you to see me again. So even those who are of Christ sometimes have moments of anger 
but not, I repeat, not of rage. Reality is it happens to everybody. There can be righteousness in anger, righteous indignation. You've heard that phrase before, right? Righteous indignation. Jesus says if for you to get angry without a cause, without a reason, that's the, that's the, that's the kicker to that. It's okay to be angry, but you better have a right reason to be angry. If you're angry about something without a cause, then it becomes problematic. Without a cause. Ben Franklin said, anger is never without a reason, but seldom a good one. So sometimes we get angry over things that we shouldn't be angry about. Well, I'm just going to call them up right now and tell them what I think. I'm just going to march on down there and give them a piece of my mind. That type of an attitude is very dangerous because we haven't prayed about it. We haven't thought about it. We react. We react sometimes. Again, we overreact or we act, act too quickly. And we need to pause. Some anger is profitable. Righteous indignation. Those passages there at the bottom. Proverbs 15.8. People with a quick temper cause trouble, but those who control their temper can stop a quarrel. Ephesians 4 and verse 26. Be angry and sin not. Right? Be angry and sin. Why would Paul say, be angry, if it's not okay to be angry? Be angry, but don't sin. Let that righteous indignation cause you to do something positive. Later in the same letter, he'll say in verse 31 of the same chapter, never shout angrily or say things to hurt people. Never do anything evil. So the only things you do are what is profitable, what can benefit people? If I'm angry and I'm constantly upset about stuff, it's, Im it's really impossible to set a good example because eventually you're just going to pop. I've seen people before get so red. You know, they just get, I mean, just red in the face. And I think, what's well, like a pimple, you know? In a minute, he is going to blow. Don't ever let your anger become such that it looks like you're going to die of a stroke. Be calm, right? Don't be angry, but if you are angry, don't let it lead to sin. Let's talk about also the recklessness of anger. There are times that by being angry and in a reckless way, it's a negative effect. Jesus says the word danger three times there in the Greek. Danger, danger, be careful, okay? You ever noticed that danger is the word anger? All you add is the letter D. Danger, 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 Will Robinson, you know. Angry, anger can cause all kinds of problems. It, it can be extremely dangerous. <clears throat> Some time ago, I think we were over in the other building, I preached a sermon and gave this illustration. It's one of my favorites, uh, showing anger. It's the spring game, 1894, Baltimore Orioles. They come to Boston to play a baseball game. But what happens is the Orioles had a player named John McGraw. He gets in a fight with the Boston third baseman. And from the moment of the fight, uh, it spills out into the crowd. You know, fans are hitting each other, and they're losing it. And eventually, the other teams both leave their dugouts into a brawl. This is one of the things, you know, like, like a lot of people watch NASCAR for the wrecks, you know. Some people watch hockey for the fights. Baseball fight's pretty interesting because both the teams clear out and they're out there running around. I think my favorite one is the Nolan Ryan-Robin Ventura fight, probably the most, remember, most remembered fight in, in uh, Major League Baseball. But you see both, both uh, dugouts come out and they fight, and the, this, this fighting 
is on the field, in the stands. I mean, they're just going crazy. So one of the guys, they, they believe it was, it was probably someone from the visiting team, starts a fire in the stands. And that conflict got worse because when they set fire to the stands, it injured people. The whole ballpark was engulfed by the flames. And that fire in Boston spread to 107 other buildings. So two players who couldn't get themselves under control. I don't know what they were prosecuted for it. I doubt they were. But it caused a fire that spread to 107 other buildings. People lost their homes. They lost their businesses. City was shut down until they could start cleanup, all because somebody getting upset. They said, well, that would never happen. Not to me, anyway. Well, if you show anger and frustration or you express vengeance towards someone, who are they going to tell about it? They're going to say, let me tell you what they said to me. Let me tell you what they did to me. And then that person who you've talked to now holds a grudge. In fact, sometimes we will get our friends stirred up in an effort so that we can go gang up on somebody. And we'll say, well, yeah, let me tell you what they did. Oh, that person's a, they're a dog now in my sight. If I, they better not ever talk to me again. And then you tell somebody else to say, look at this. This has gone on. This sister, this brother, this person, this business. You know, we do it all the time on Facebook. We go into a restaurant. It doesn't work out. And we go on in all caps, you know. Don't ever go to this store. What good is that? It may just be that the person you interacted with was having a bad day. I, I guarantee you they don't get up in the morning and say somebody's going to be here at 4.37 this afternoon to place an order for two boxes of chicken sandwiches, and we are going to let them have it. We're going to give them the worst day of their life, right? Nobody gets up in the morning planning to ruin someone else's day. Sometimes we're a victim of circumstance. Sometimes it's just somebody's got a bad attitude, and they take it out on us. But our reaction makes all the difference in the world to be calm. I've had people mess up stuff to me before. I've had people say things to me before in public, and I try my best to bite my tongue. I mean, until there's blood dripping down the cheek, you know. We've got to bite your tongue. You don't have to say something. You don't have to make it a scene. You don't have to make it worse. Just be calm, which leads to this, this reckless expression. It's okay to be angry, but do not sin. In uh, Acts 26, 11, Paul talks about how his anger against the Christians is what made him turn against God. Titus chapter 1, verse 7, he talks about the, uh, the elders in the church not having anger issues. Sometimes that anger can be turned in the wrong direction. So just if you can avoid it, do your best to avoid it. And if it comes, let God use it for good. There's the reproach. I'm going to move quickly if I can. The reproach of anger. He says, watch out for judgment, okay? Know that if you express anger in such a way that it hinders the gospel of Christ or it hinders your spiritual walk or it hinders others, especially those of children. You know, the Bible talks about that. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm not meddling, but I just want to say something real quick because it is football season. And there are a lot of parents that are going to answer to God on judgment day for the way they have screamed at children. Jesus says, you cause one of these little ones to stumble, you do anything to discourage a child, you might as well tie a millstone around your neck and go swimming in the ocean. So if we yell at children, I mean, these are kids, you know, you get mad about a play, you yell at an official, you know, keep, keep your anger under control. But if you're yelling at children and your baseball games, soccer games, you're yelling at kids, you're calling them names, you're calling them out, be careful. 
Jesus says that is something you'll have to answer for in judgment. But he's talking about the Ten Commandments here. And he says, you know, it used to be said of old, and now I say. He says, this is something that could get you in trouble with the government. Get you in trouble for school. I was an official for uh, baseball and softball for one year, and I hated it. If you paid me a million dollars, I wouldn't do it. I just, I'm serious. I hate being officials for ball games. And we had a guy we had to kick out. And we told him, said, you are gone. He called the police. He is, his best friend lived across the street from the baseball field. He just walked to the driveway of his buddy's house. They couldn't touch him. He could still yell right at that baseball field because he was on private property. They couldn't do anything about it. And I thought, man, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what is your intention here? You know, I think if you could film people and show it to them after the game, did you know you said this? Did you see this? Are you kidding me? This is, this is a, you know, and I'm competitive. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I might, well, I might get a little heated in the game of Monopoly, but I'm not going to turn the table over, right? I'm not going to turn the table over. I'm not going to scream profanities at you. I'm not going to call you all kinds of names. And those officials there, yes, they're getting paid to do a job, but they're human, and let me tell you something, they make a lot of mistakes. They make a lot of mistakes. The way we react says everything about who we are. And when someone overreacts and they begin to use that anger, in, 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 whether it be a sporting event or in public, that, that tells people who you really are. And that is a sign of the devil. It's not a sign of Christ. So one thing to do is he says, whoever says, whoever says, whoever says, just basically watch your mouth. Think before you speak. Proverbs 19.11 says the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook transgressors. To look down on people and say, not look down literally, but you know what I mean, look, look at people and say, they really don't understand what they're doing. You know, they, they can't comprehend the ramifications of what they've said or what they've done and learn to just kind of let things go. You don't have to be the world's policeman, thank goodness. We're not going to be the world's judge, so let's stop being policemen. And go around and say, well, I can't believe they did this. I'm going to tell somebody about it. If it's none of your business, it's none of your business. You can love them. You can tell them they need to correct their ways. But you need, no need to go out of your way to tell everybody what they've done. Uh, that, that's extremely dangerous. And finally, there needs to be some resolution. We need to resolve these problems as quickly as possible. And then we'll have some, some thoughts here in just a second, some questions. So our passion can help us overcome anger. Jesus' anger about sin caused him with compassion to die for the lost. Jesus' anger about disease moved him with compassion to heal the sick. Jesus' anger at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of his day caused him to give some woes. But even with his final breaths, when he could have said, and we might say, if we die the way Jesus died, I hope every one of you go to you know where for what you've done to me. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. He had every right. Jesus had every right, every motive, every scriptural principle you could think of to condemn every last one of those guys. I could tell you what they really are, but I won't. This is the worst of humanity in Jesus' day. And it wasn't those that were out in the wilderness listening to John speak that were tax collectors and, and Gentiles and prostitutes and sinners. These are the people who are supposed to be leading the kingdom of God. These are supposed to be the followers, the representatives, the mouthpiece of God. And they are doing all kinds of things that are terrible. And instead of Jesus looking down off the cross and saying, y'all are all going to get what's coming to you. You're going to pay for this. Could have called 10,000 angels. He doesn't do that. Instead, he begs 
God to forgive them. He begs God to not charge it to their account. After everything they did to Jesus, I hope that I hope that that they're that I could emulate that in some way one day. But man, that is a tough one. I don't know that I could do it. But Jesus does. He uses that anger he has for sin to save the lost. And he also tells us that vengeance is his. And I want to leave, leave, leave with this. This is James 1. When he says, you know, my brethren, always be uh, swift to hear and slow to speak. Be angry and sin not. Listen, swift to hear, slow to speak. And don't ever let it turn to wrath. It's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Christians are light bringers. We're peacemakers. We're supposed to be supporting the love of the Lord. We're supposed to be representing the image of Jesus. And there's no place for someone who's angry to stand up and say, I'm a child of God. If they're angry, they need to resolve that as quickly as possible. All right, I'm going to hand the microphone off over here since Nathan's coming. What questions or thoughts do you have about what we've talked about tonight regarding anger? Okay, Steve. I got to tell a story, too, I forgot to tell in a little bit if we have time. Go ahead. Go ahead. There in John chapter 2, we were talking about Jesus being angry of the people collecting the taxes and collecting the, for the doves and stuff. Notice what he did. I mean, you were making a joke of Jesus went over here and did this. Yeah. Have you ever made a whip out of a bunch of cords? No. It does not take about five minutes. Oh, it doesn't. It takes a while. Oh, no, I mean So, that, therefore, yeah. it takes a while for him to do it. So, yeah. so the point is, I think him saying that God, Jesus made a whip means that he, he was angry because this ain't the first time he stepped inside here right. and saw all, the, saw all the bad stuff going on. Mm-hmm. He stepped back, thought about it, and did not react in his anger. Yeah. He, made a, he had a reason to do this. And we got to make sure we do the same because that's, that's the worst thing you ever see. Right. Out of the 31 years I've been in education, that's the worst thing you ever see. Somebody mouths off to you. Yeah. Some kid mouths off to another kid. They end up knocking them upside. They knock them upside the head. They didn't stop and think about the, you know, what should I do? Right. Well, did this mama's this this kid's mama get up and beat them that morning before they come to school? Therefore, they came out and came and mouthed off to me. Yeah. They didn't stop and think, and 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 that's the point I think Jesus is making here in the scripture, is he stopped and thought. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was angry. I guarantee you, the first time he walked into that temple. Mm-hmm. Even as a 12-year-old walked in that temple and saw that, he was angry about it. Yeah. He saw the abomination. But here in this situation, it says he stopped, he made a whip, mm-hmm. and he drove them out. Yeah. It wasn't came in there, he was angry, he threw with the temple, he threw right. it across and, exactly. and destroyed the temple and all that stuff. He stopped, he made the whip, and then he did it. So therefore, he stopped, and probably that night, he decided, this is, this is enough's right. enough, went home that night, made the whip, and came back the next day, Yeah. and, and was stopped and thought about it. That's a very good point. And we all got to make sure we do that. That's we stop and point. think. Yeah, pause, reflect, take the time before you do it. Very good.
What else? Yeah, up here. Proverbs 15.1. Soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That sounds a lot like James 1.19, doesn't it? And then 22, 24, and 25. <clears throat> Proverbs 22. Uh-huh, verse 24 and 25. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Wow. That's good. That's really good. Don't make friends with people who are angry. That's a good point. I had a photo. I forgot to include it as a reason why I didn't mention the illustration a minute ago, but there's a story of a lady. Uh, her name is uh, Sarah the Duchess of Marlborough. And her and her husband got into a fight, uh, the Duke of Marlborough. And so, needless to say, one of the things he loved about her was her hair. And so she took and chopped off her hair. And a short time after that, she found an artist who could take a picture of her. At that time, women with short hair was kind of seen as, it was outside of the style. You women didn't have short hair. So she chops off her hair, she cuts her hair, and she calls an artist and says, I want you to come and paint me a picture of what I look like now holding that hair. And so they did. I've got a photo somewhere of this woman, and she's mad. She's got this hair. Well, hair grows back, right? But that photo is timeless. That painting is forever. She was so upset and so angry. It's such a quarrel. She wanted to immortalize her quarrel and her frustration with her husband. And she says, I want you to paint me holding this hair that he likes so much. And so for years, we will see this photo and think about a woman who was so scorned that she had it immortalized in, in, in photography. And it's just crazy, or at least in artistry. It's crazy, crazy. Got to be careful. Don't let that sin, don't let that sin corrupt you. What else? Any comments or thoughts? Anybody? It's a common issue, common problem, just like we talked about with lying last week. Uh, it's definitely something we need to get under control. Yeah, Ken? Ray, one thing about anger, it's a lot easier to be angry. Mm -hmm. You just turn loose, you let her rip. Yeah. It takes effort to stop, to think, to decide, and then react or yeah. respond rather than react. I worked for a man one time in a cabinet shop, and this this is just a real superficial example of what anger can do. And uh, we were building a bathroom vanity, you know, and he was just about as far as from me as those windows over there. And all of a sudden, something didn't go right, and next thing I know, I saw that cabinet come flying my direction. Huh. Well, I walked over to where it finally stopped and picked it up, and I walked it back over and carried it to him. And I said, now, I said, uh, how far did that get us? Now we got to build a new cabinet, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it, it, when you really let anger take over, it's absolutely detrimental. Right. You, you've got to, as they say, you've got to respond. Yeah. We don't always do it. We're not always successful. But that, that's the way we have to try to be. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if we're doing it as Christians or just in our daily walk of life. It makes yeah. life better for us. Yeah. Well, we remember it hadn't been that long ago down here in Orange Beach. Somebody got upset 
and got out and pulled a gun and shot somebody in the car next to him because they were road raging down there on the highway. And I know we've all had moments where we've been upset and we've said things or, or you know, get frustrated with people and we call them by their license plate or their car, you know. I say, well, get out of my way, Chevy, you know, or what's wrong with you, Michigan? You know, we, we, get, we get frustrated with people. But, you know, the, the, the ultimate thing is, it's true. We, does nobody else do that? Okay, because I've been in a car with some people that didn't. Uh, and usually he's looking at me in the rearview mirror. But the idea is, when you're, when you're frustrated, you've got to learn to kind of control that and, and not let it turn into something that's going to hurt someone else. The, the pain of destroying things, same thing, just like you mentioned about destroying cabinets. I've seen people get mad punching a wall, you know, and sometimes they hit a stud, break their hand, kick something, break their foot. I've known, I've known men, this happens quite frequently, that get mad and they hit something and then they have to go see a doctor because they got some kind of an injury. How terrible is it that your anger is going to cost you financially? Well, think about your anger costing you spiritually. Don't allow that anger to take your soul. Yeah. A lot of the physical abuse that goes on in homes is, is because of anger. And, and I've read in books, and I can't prove this, but that depression is anger turned inward. Mm -hmm. Whether you believe that or not, but that makes sense. Kind of think it is. And we live, in a, we live in an angry world right now. Mm -hmm. There's so many things that people are angry about, and 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 we need a kinder world today calmer world that's right but but when there's a lot of confusion around people tend to get angry over it and they don't really know why mm -mm. there are people too i think that their intention they do this through the entertainment and through media intentionally try to make us angry intentionally try to push our buttons until we lash out and do something uh if you're going to lash out with anything let it be in kindness don't don't allow yourself to speak words that are going to tear down somebody Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, visit our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. If you'd like to contribute to the show, content suggestions, uh, questions, prayer requests, or even if you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.